0: But I think the main thing is, at the end of the day, volleyball is volleyball. It's in the same 9 by 9 court, and the rules are the same. So we, uh, <laughs> is that on the back of your shirt? Yeah, it's,
1: it's, yeah, yeah, it's on the back of your shirt. You a little <laughs>
0: free shout out for you. Um, and it doesn't matter who's on the other side of the net. You need to still execute to the best of your ability if you want a chance to win.
1: What is going on ladies and gentlemen and welcome to episode number 32 of The 9 by 9 as Brett Walsh introduced us right there. My name is Everett Delorme joined as always by Mr. Rob St. Clair from Chicago. It is June 28th. We are in the midst of the VNL season and get ready for the 91 square meters of the best volleyball content uh, on the internet. Rob First and foremost, how's it going? How are you? Good to see you.
0: Thanks, buddy. You as well. Uh, I'm great. I'm ready to to dive into this stuff because we had a a very, very interesting week of matches on the men's side. So we're going to cover both men's and women's. We got week two of men's that wrapped up. We got week three of women's that is kicking off literally right this very second. There is a match being played right now in Calgary. So we will talk about all of this. But first, I want to thank everyone for watching live on the Volleyball Source YouTube channel and uh, listening on audio podcasts after the fact if you want to watch a show live if you're listening on audio wherever you get your podcasts we go live on tuesday nights at 7 30 p.m eastern uh make sure you're subscribed here right to the channel and yeah, oh yeah yeah got, got to give the shout outs because we have the volleyball source discord that is popping off we got some new viewers here in this show if guys real
1: quick if you are watching and if you haven't liked this channel yet make sure you yeah. smash that like button as the uh old school youtubers <laughs> uh would say but rob Let's just jump into it. Do we it. are two thirds done of the, the VNL on both sides. Let's just consider that we got this, this last third despite what today happened on, on the women's side. We know a lot more uh, now there's and it's hey, first and foremost, congratulations to your United States of America. You guys are sitting right up there at six and two uh, at the top of the table. It looks like you guys are going uh, going to the going to playoffs, but some big matches this week and so, some big results going down. Um, where, where do do you want to, what result do you think is the biggest result from this week?
0: Hmm. I think that the single biggest match that I watched was Japan versus Italy. Uh, that, that was, we, we talked about it on last week's show. We're talking about men's right now, by the way, we'll get into women's later, Japan versus Italy on the men's side. We talked about Japan's week one, which was in Brazil. They had a pretty easy schedule didn't have to play brazil they uh, lost in five to the usa's b team i think they beat slovenia they beat the netherlands like they had a pretty soft schedule week one we were curious to see how in week two they would come to the philippines and play against a couple really really good teams and their first chance japan got italy and they beat them in five and that was a crazy good match uh, super high level the it was kind of a roller coaster because Ron Takahashi who was just outstanding in that one uh, injured himself slightly in a way that I don't think I've ever seen before he like he jumped to attack a ball then as like he kind of piked his body his foot got caught on the bottom of the net and he obviously lost his balance and kind of crashed down to the ground I mean I don't know if I've ever seen somebody jump high enough before to catch his feet in the bottom of the net that's completely ridiculous but uh it looked like kind of a scary fall sure enough he comes back and stuff blocks yuri romano one-on-one at 14 13 in the fifth to win the match so uh that was pretty electric and i was i i i've been called a japan hater on this show before because i'm annoyed at the coverage that they get but i gotta give their team credit here that is a huge huge win against what was pretty close to italy's a team i mean Micheletto played uh, Lavia played and he hit like 50% efficiency or something crazy. The only thing was they were missing an opposite. They uh, had Romano in there who was not quite good enough, and Japan played their best game, and they beat him. So that was a very impressive uh, test that Japan had that they answered. They then played the bench and lost to France, which was, I mean, that was fine because they got the win over Italy, but that was the best single match that I watched this week. Yeah, I think that was a huge one by Japan. And, I mean, it's not necessarily
1: – it's not an upset of, of course um and it's not you know un- i think un- it un- is
0: i think it is an upset uh, but i don't know i think i think japan's kind of been playing
1: enough through throughout this tournament and let, let's be honest like this is the japan's team right italy you can still kind of consider a, a new team because last year at the vnl they had a lot you know they had a different ca- a cast of characters right they had they had some different faces going going through whereas japan this is the team that they've been running with throughout you know, for, for for a number of years now, so I think that there's a lot of familiarity on this this Japanese uh, team squad, and I mean, hey, they're getting better. I mean, Ishikawa and Nishida are both at the top of the of the serving, like they both lead the the VNL on aces, and they're just playing some some really really good volleyball. I think Japan, like for me, I think Japan is always that like one of the best teams in that second tier of teams. I don't know if they have – they don't have the star power and they don't have the, the the pieces to be able to make that jump into the top tier of teams, you know, with the Polans and traditionally like, traditional, like Brazilians and stuff like that. But they have the ability to beat those teams on, you know, an off day and they're the, one of the most consistent teams out there. And I mean, hey, did it not look like, like – We'll get to it. We'll get to the numbers for the Philippines in, in just a little bit. But the Philippines showed up like for Japan, game. right? That like, they, like that was that, that really was like cool. those home games for for Japan out there uh, in the Philippines. So you knew that that was going to help kind of carry them. And hey, good for them sitting at, sit, sitting at six and two, um, just tied with Italy and just just below uh, France and Poland there.
0: Yeah, that match in particular, I've actually got the stats up right now because. So, by the way, I've I've been on my Instagram at R Saint Clair One posting a pretty decent recap just in my Instagram stories of each game that happened on the men's side. And as I was going through the stats, looking at this one, Italy versus Japan, I was it, it was so funny like the team numbers because they they just said so clearly what we have all always known: uh, Italy fourteen blocks to Japan's two. <laughs> japan had. there two we blocks. go that's that's the stat line that you yep. like yeah that's, japan, that's more like the, it japan had two blocks in five sets but serving japan 14 aces to only 13 errors which is unbelievable better than one-to-one and italy only three aces to 23 errors so that is japan's game if they're going to be a terrible blocking team which they are do you have to make up for that somewhere and they made up for it in, against italy with serving they destroyed the serve-and-pass battle in a way that was extremely impressive. I mean, Yuji Nishida and Ishikawa combined had 11 aces between the two of them. Uh, that's Nishida, pretty gnarly. Nishida 5, Ishikawa 6. Uh, but uh, Daniele Lavia, I, I do want to shout him out because he, I think, let's see, yeah, 18 for 31, two errors, that's over 50% efficiency plus three blocks. So he was super-duper good for Italy. I think if they have a better real, opposite real quick form, though about, match.
1: Real quick about Italy that, though, I've been noticing that they really don't feature micheletto all that much. And, I mean, even in this one, he only got 21 sets. Like, against Germany, he only got 15. Same thing against China. His, most, his biggest set total is 24 against Slovenia. It's weird how he, he's not featured in the Italian offense as much as he is with, with Trentino. And how he's, you know, they, they really feature Lavia a lot. They're giving him a lot of volume. They give a lot of volume to Romano. And how Micheletto's is kind of that, that, that third option there.
0: Yeah, I'm really interested by that too. And I, I thought that, like you and I both thought last week that we might see two things out of Italy. One was the three outside hitter thing, which we did not see. And the other was Riccardo Spertoli, who we barely saw. I think he played their their last full match, which was against uh, China. Yeah, he set, the, he set the whole match against China, but Gianelli had the other three. And we were, were kind of surprised by that. Yeah, maybe it's kind of a hangover for Micheletto from a club season where he just had to do everything. Like There was a month there towards the end of the Trentino season where where we thought he might have a case for best player in the world a couple of years from now, and then his offensive numbers really started to flatten out so uh, another thing I think is that Gianelli in particular isn 't going to the pipe that much these days, and that I think is where Michelcoleto is sometimes the best An- okay. another thing, yeah, yeah I feel that yeah that and then I think that they really want to feed Yuri Romano out of system. I think they kind of want to figure out what they really have there, so Maybe that distribution shifts when we get to the finals or when we get to the World Championships. But, yeah, I'm with you right now. Mikoletto is kind of an offensive afterthought. It's interesting.
1: Yeah, it it has been interesting. Well... As both these teams are going to be in a
0: prime, prime position to be moving on to the playoffs, Um, both both six and two. I want to talk about the two teams that are even higher than that. We've got two teams at seven and one. uh, That's France and Poland, both of whom went undefeated, were perfect in week two. France is really not even that much to say here because they were in the Philippines. They had a much weaker schedule. Uh, the best team they played was Japan, and Japan played the bench after beating Italy in five the night before. Uh, France also played the bench, so France like pretty easily like kind of slip walked through that week. I mean, but France's I do... bench is probably still pretty damn good. France, France's <laughs> bench is extremely good. It's a great point, but I do want to talk about Poland because the Polish men brought the boys. They AD. brought the boys. They, they, brought, brought, the boys. Boys. they brought they everybody. went everybody. Yep. They brought everybody to Bulgaria. Uh, Nikola Gerbich rolled out pretty much what we think is the world championship starting lineup if it it really just depends on if wilfredo leon can come back or not but we rolled out he rolled out the world championship starting lineup from the beginning of the week and they looked awesome (laughs) they destroyed brazil they completely destroyed them like wasn't even close then they played the b team against gussie canada and, and yeah Swept like the Canadian young kids. Canada also played the B team. They destroyed Australia, no problem. And then the match against the United States is the one is one I definitely want to talk about because Bartosz Kuric, I think, went like... I hope I can pull up the numbers here kind of quickly, but I, I know he was well over 50% efficiency on like 25 points volume. It was probably the best match I've ever seen him play. And even though he was that good, the rest of the team was good but not great. The USA, who took the first set... Had chances in sets two, three, and four. Uh, ended up losing the match three to one. But all three of those sets, two, three, and four, were tied at twenty to twenty, all three of them. And Poland was able to get it done in all three. Just like, even though this is a group of Dude, these this is a team guys, finishers. This they is are team finishers. You're totally I, finishers. They're I totally think that's are. the biggest. I think
1: that's the biggest thing that's differentiating this Polish team from the last Polish team, and in is that you know like we've seen these guys do it on other stages like we've seen these guys do it at the under, like at the junior level we've seen these guys do it for zoxa so now it's like they know how to finish games they know how to ride them out and that's maybe kind of one of the critiques of past polish teams and i like i know it's it's a bit interesting to say considering they, they have won two world championships and like Obviously they've won nothing
0: else, weirdly enough. But they've,
1: exactly. They've won nothing else other than that. No European championships, have choked consistently against Slovenia at the, at the European championships, <laughs> choked at, at, at the Olympics, and this was with, you know, arguably one of the best rosters in the world, but this, this, this core group of guys that they have here, and... You know, uh, as you mentioned, like they really relied on Bartosz-Kurik for that. But to me, it's all of those other guys around him. It's the Semenyaks, it's the Slufkas, it's the Yanushes who know how to get the job done in those moments. And then all you need to do is dish it and let Bartosz-Kurik swing away because that's what he does best. And to be honest, like he has to be ranked as one of the best pure attackers we've ever seen in the sport of volleyball.
0: That's uh, that's a a pretty high claim that it's hard to disagree with. I mean, look at his numbers. He's like the Kevin
1: Durant of volleyball.
0: That's a pretty decent comparison. You know, like, he's
1: he's, he's not going to be the guy that he's going to ultimately, like, he can put the team on your back, but I don't know if he's that, like, top, he's not a LeBron type, you know, but he's probably one of the best scores that we've seen in our era of air volleyball just pure scores
0: right? yeah i definitely remember like, the in, in 2018 at the world championships that like that two-week stretches poland kind of closed in on the win where he absolutely. just kind of decided to become the best player in the world for those two weeks and he was uh his okay. numbers his numbers in this one against the u.s and a four set win 21 for 28 <laughs> 21. That is absolutely ridiculous. Especially against the kills. USA.
1: Especially against the USA and right. the way you guys are playing
0: right now. That is absolutely ridiculous. Insane. And only five errors, like 57% efficiency plus two blocks. Like it's 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 absurd. It's absurd what he did in that match. And I, I want to use this to segue to the USA a little bit, despite that just like Terminator level opposite performance, the USA had a chance. I mean, we won the first set 25-21. I say we because I'm a gigantic American fan. Uh, and then, like I said, it was 20-20 to 20 in, each, in each of the following three sets, That's 2, 3, and 4, and the USA just couldn't quite get it done. Uh, Poland gets credit for that because they are finishers. This particular USA group that was uh, there this week in Bulgaria – I'm talking Josh Twining setting. I'm talking Kyle Ensing at the opposite. I'm talking Jeff Gendrick in the middle. Like the guys that haven't quite been there yet on the international level, it showed late in those games. Uh, Aaron Russell too late was not was whatever the opposite of clutch is. Extremely unclutch. A couple very very bad hitting errors late. A couple bad off speed choices. A couple bad serving errors. Uh, Poland was just the more clutch team late, and uh, I, it was it was frustrating to watch because I expected the US to get destroyed by Poland but because we played reasonably well uh, gotten the match won in the first set like had a chance I wanted us to be better in the clutch guys- and we weren't but that's that's so that's, that's a learning experience and when you get uh, Micah Christensen back who I'm hearing will be there in Japan when you get Max Holt back when you get Matt Anderson back like those problems kind of get fixed right there
1: you guys have to be the most overperforming team right now at VNL like it's it's truly not making sense to me. Like even your guys' I don't them.
0: know about that. He,
1: oh, come on! Like I, I, like I have you a guys, more. You guys are you. you guys are in the top five right now, and I mean we're, we're going to discuss in a bit, but you guys are in the top five right now w- without Matt Anderson and without Michael Christensen. Like that in itself is phenomenal, right? Like yeah, it's it's like, a very pleasant surprise like for a, sure. Like I a, like being being at that being six and two at this point, even with those two guys, would be wildly acceptable for. For, for the USA,
0: right? There. Wildly acceptable. Yeah, I mean, it was really that, that first week, that 4-0 week in Brazil when we sent the B team, got away with it somehow, like beating Japan, beating Brazil. I do think we came back down to earth this week a little bit. Like, the, the three-set loss to Iran was really, really frustrating. Um, was, we just yeah. clearly didn't have it that day. I mean, Spiral even said in one of the timeouts, like, hey, it's okay. We weren't going to go through this entire summer, through this entire season, having everything go perfectly the whole time. And he was right because everything went perfectly in Brazil and it did not go perfectly this week in Bulgaria. But uh, I want, we'll talk about the end of that USA-Iran game in a minute. But like that, that was a frustrating loss, even though the team just came out, played a slightly less than perfect lineup. The guys just didn't have it. Putting some guys off the bench, they just didn't have it. Then uh, who else did we beat? We beat Bulgaria 3-1. to one. Bulgaria actually played reasonably well. And then uh, I can't remember who the last one was. Uh, let's see. Yeah, lost to Iran. And lost to, lost to Poland. Lost to Poland. We got another win in there somewhere. Oh, yeah, we beat Serbia. I uh, beat Serbia 3-1 to one oh, okay. for first yeah, thing in yeah. the week. And that, that was a really good performance. The uh, team played great that week. It was great to see Eric Shoji back. Oh, man, was he good. Uh, just a, a huge upgrade over Kyle D'Agostino. And actually, in that, in that Poland game, he outplayed. I didn't,
1: think, I didn't think D'Agostino did all that bad, though. I, I, thought
0: he, I thought he played pretty well in week one. It was okay, but the difference is clear. The yeah, I agree the difference clear. is clear, but and at the same Shoji, time, so. Shoji even outplayed both Zatorski and Popivchak in the Poland match. Uh, he he looked better than both of those guys. That was extremely impressive. But the, for the USA, I mean, we came back down to earth this week a little. Uh, the Iran loss was a bummer. The Poland loss was losing to a better team. But uh, I hope that we can take some learning moments from being at, at, tied at 20-20 to 20 and going 0-3 for 3 on closing those out. Yeah, I mean, at the, the end of the day, like you don't have your guys, right? So, not all you know, of
1: them. You're you're expecting like Kyle Ensing to close out matches, and as and as, as incredible as Ensing has been, and it's so surprising considering he's been playing in Israel, right? <laughs> like, you know, like that's not exactly a guy that you're looking to close out when you're taking on Bartosz Kurek and and
0: Poland. Great point. Um, yeah. So all but, right, so you you called the U.S. the most overperforming team in the tournament. I then, disagree because my most overperforming team is the Netherlands. Okay, Who yeah. Okay, yeah. Let's let's let's, the let's talk about the Netherlands for. Sure. The Netherlands we going to be 5 and 3 in 2 weeks. They went 3 and 1 this week. That's ridiculous. They have no business being this good. It it doesn't really make all that much sense to me, wow. but when you have Namira Phillips, you always have a chance. They did
1: kind of get like strength of schedule this week was a thing. You know, get playing Slovenia who's been struggling. Uh I would have thought, you know, that was a, t- a time for a Slovenia to, to, to pray, um, you know, and then getting Germany and Argentina, the only loss coming to, to France there, you know, both Germany and Argentina are kind of those like middling teams. Germany is is a team that I thought really underperformed this week after we saw them and they looked pretty strong in Ottawa. I thought they were going to hopefully build on that. But yeah, I think they we, went 0-4. Yeah, but I, really I, but I also think, too, that we discussed it that, you know, that was... A very good version of the german team we saw and that they don't really get much better from that right you can't really insert any guys into that that roster that are really going to change things um and a lot of those guys are pretty battle tested internationally however the sa- same thing can't be said for the netherlands and i think that this is a, is a very new team and you got young guys like twinstra who are getting used to this international yeah. international style of game and the reality is, is that this team is driven and led by Abdel, uh, Nimri Abdelaziz. Everyone knows that. But if those guys have the ability to elevate their game just a little bit, just incrementally, incrementally, like week by week and, and game by game, they're going to get better enough. And I think that's exactly what you saw uh, in this one, especially that like that five-set barn burner against Argentina. Like that was a back-and-forth one to, to, to close out the week. And then, I mean, now they're sitting pretty at, at five and three. So I think I think it, they have to be maybe not the, the most over overachieving team, but definitely the the most improved team throughout the uh, VNL so far
0: most improved is a good way to say it. I do think you're right they got a little bit of an easier schedule in week 2 and I'm curious to see because their their week 3 schedule they get China, they get Bulgaria. Both of those are extremely winnable and might be good enough for them to make the playoffs but then they have Poland and Italy. And uh, that, that's two Ls right there at least I would certainly think. So I think Pol- I, I think Italy depending on because if Italy's sitting pretty
1: uh, at the top and they're, they're in the playoffs, it, it, it doesn't really matter. I, well, Italy
0: I, is in the playoffs, and this is important to note for the standing. So Italy are hosting the finals on the men's oh, side yeah, in, exactly. in Bologna, so, and all that matters for Italy is that they need to be in the top eight. If the, and this applies the same to Turkey on the women's side, because they're hosting. If Italy finishes in the top eight, they get the one seed in the, in the playoffs. If they finish outside the top eight, they get the eight seed in the playoffs. So all Italy needs to do right now, sitting in third, is finish in the top eight. And if, they, and if they are not if – they're, they're, if they know they're going to be there by that very last match where they play against the Netherlands, they might sit the guys and give the Netherlands sort of a gift. So Absolutely right. I, as we'll talk about our picks in a minute, but I think the Netherlands have a very good chance for that reason. Uh, speaking of teams that improved their stock this week, uh, Brazil. Brazil looks oh. a lot better this week than they did in Brasilia. Even that loss to Poland, they just lost to a better team. But other than that, this week they were much better. However, it came at a price – that price is Alan Souza tearing his Achilles tendon, and that is as rough of an injury as it devastating. Fits. It's terrible. It's, it's devastating
1: not only to Alan Souza because that might be you know the end of it. Um, it's that's a really tough one to come back from, but it's also devastating from Brazil. And I mean, yeah, they did make that that bounce back, but I'm not entirely sure who they have you know to, to fill in there. Uh, they have the Alan Souza. They have his they, younger brother, and that's they, it. They do exactly, and so it's clearly going to be a bit of a downgrade there. So, yeah, that that's that's a really, really rough loss, uh, loss for Brazil, and it's going to be interesting to see how they can bounce back, uh, without Alan Souza moving forward.
0: Yeah, we'll talk about that a little bit more. What
1: sorry, one team that I actually want to like point out that I thought improved really, really well this week, uh, as well, or sorry, had a bit of an interesting week is, is Iran. Oh, yeah, um, because. They came in with a rough loss uh, to Bulgaria and then kind of beat both you guys uh, and us to, to get back up there. Amin on the right side. Yeah, dude, is that lefty. Absolute monster. Is yeah. He might already be one of the best left-hand hitter, left-handed hitters we have in the game right now. Like I'm trying to think about like who who else we have who is a monster like him on the right side as a lefty. I can't think of anyone.
0: We don't have that many lefty opposites right now, which is a bummer. We've actually got more outside hitters. We've got Mikoletto and like Kovacevic. but yeah, this this they've Amin got... character. It was funny because we were talking it's about uh, Iran's opposites coming into the tournament. Like they've got uh, they've got Bardia Sadat, they've got uh Porya Yali, they've got uh, the one other lefty that we saw for most of Vienna last year, whose name I forget, but this Amin guy has come in and played better than all of them and looks like their best player in a year where Iran kind of needs him desperately. <laughs> and uh, like Asfandiar on the left side has played pretty well. Uh, Badapur has played a little better than we maybe thought after his mediocre season in Scraw. They, yeah, they resurrected, sorry resurrected their season after getting just pummeled by Bulgaria in that first match they yeah 3-0 against the US 3-0 against Canada like that's that's a, a pretty impressive rebound uh they also lost to Brazil in three but uh yeah but I, I mean like Amin is sitting currently eighth in scoring in
1: the VNL yeah. and he's really just been leading this team yeah. and I mean you know you just mentioned it we were talking about like who's going to step in for the for Iran uh here in uh on the right side and Amin is definitely that guy and man that certainly that, looks like that, it right now that raises their stock for me quite considerably.
0: Yeah, they've got a very real chance to make the playoffs. I mean, eighth place right now, four and four. Uh, I, let me see, who, who do they have? Who do they have next week? Uh, Iran has Poland, Italy, Slovenia, Serbia. So that's a pretty tough schedule. Uh, they have Poland and Italy early, where those two teams might still be playing their guys. Then Slovenia and Serbia will both be desperately fighting for playoff spots. So if Iran's going to get there, they're really going to earn it. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be, man, that race to the playoffs is going to Holy be... Yeah tight speaking is, of the race to the playoffs so i think we can yeah. kind of cover both serbia and slovenia uh serbia got up to four and four but they've played so many five setters that their point total isn't as high and slovenia just kind of continues to struggle i mean they they got just pummeled by italy not even close uh lost to japan not particularly close i think they beat they beat argentina and then what was the last one uh lost in the netherlands like one and three for slovenia that's I don't think they're going to make the playoffs as of right now. I don't think so either. Just the way that they've been playing too. Like they're really missing that magic um, that, th- that
1: they had before. They were always a team that played so well together um, and they, they supported each other, like just little things like, you know, covering and 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 defense and stuff like that. And it just hasn't translated so far to this team. And they just seem discombobulated when they play, which is so weird because they have Mark Lebedew at the helm. Um so there's just there's just something not connecting right now for for Slovenia. Obviously, I can't be the one to, to say what it, what it is or anything like that. But uh, yeah, a big the a big miss for for Slovenia right now, especially considering the the success that they had at the VNL last year, the success that they've had at you know the European Championships over the past number of years. Uh, I was really expecting to see them kind of take a step up, and they've almost taken a step back here.
0: Yeah, they have, which which is disappointing. I'm ex- I'm exactly there with you. Uh, Serbia, on the other hand, uh, another two and two week. It's it's funny because we saw them in, in Ottawa, and thought like, wow, this team is a lot better than we thought they were going to be. Then they roll into Bulgaria with pretty much the A team. They had Podrošin they had Lisinats. They had Atanasievich who was pretty good, the, and they go two and two again. So they lost to the USA, they lost to Brazil, they came back from down 0-2 versus Canada, reverse swept you guys, and then they beat Australia, which everybody should, but like Serbia who I I really am still pretty high on is still going to have to work hard to get to the playoffs. I don't have that much more to say about them, but I do want to kind of tee you up for the Canada performances. Well, that's it. Like I think that that
1: the, the performance from Serbia against Canada is Serbia in a nutshell. Yeah, like, kind of is. I think talent-wise on paper this team is one of the best in the world. There's no doubt about it. Especially when Ta- Antanasevic is on top of his game, the quality that we're seeing guys from like guys from like Kuyanzich and, and Perich, like this is a quality team all the way through. However, I think that sometimes they just, they just go out there and don't care. <laughs> you know, they just, they just aren't, they just, they need that conflict and they, and they need that fight um, amongst them. And so that's exactly what they went. They went down O2 to Canada and then they fought back now in that one specific. And I think I'm going to use that one. Cause I don't really want to talk about uh, the Iran match too much. Cause that was a crusher of a, of a loss. Yeah. that sucked. like, we are seriously in, in a bad spot for uh, relegation. I'm seriously worried about it. I, I won't lie. Um, but I think there was a lot of positives to take for, from that one. And I think at the end of the day the better team won. like on paper the be- the better team won, the team with the most talent won.
0: Oh, I but, definitely agree with that.
1: But at the end of, like we saw so much positive from Canada that one. We saw them fighting back we saw, we saw it pushing for it. we saw them make some plays like we saw them play volleyball, which is a lot more than can be we said for sometimes in Ottawa where they just look paralyzed and they just look kind of like deer in the headlights. So we saw them play. You know, offensively, they're they're up there. Blocking, they're up there. Where it's really hurting us right now is serve, receive, and defense. Um, ultimately, not having a libero, not having Blair Band, or at the very least Stephen Marshall, there hurts us so much because you just don't have that that back row guy to lead that back row quarterback to lead to lead everything
0: yeah i was gonna ask if if you thought that that serbia match going up 2-0 and then not being able to finish it out is how do you spin that do you spin that positively saying you went toe-to-toe with a good team a team that's probably more talented than you or is that a huge negative going up 2-0, not being able to finish it out what's your take on that i think it could be both you know like i i think it can be a negative
1: because you're absolutely right they did go up they did go up 2-0, 2-0, and they did look good in those first two sets, right? However, I think there's something to be said that you know that Serbian team is is very very good, and at, the, and at the ultimate, at the end, at the end of the day, you know it doesn't matter what you've done in volleyball, right? If if you go up by 20, 30, 40 points in basketball in the first half, right, you're going to put yourself in a better position to win in the in the second half, right? The, but the minute that 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 uh third set is has started, right? it's still zero zero right, right. so right. It, it, it i don't really see it as a, as a huge loss i think it's a it's a learning moment especially for some of the younger guys on on that squad um and at the end of the day i think it was a it was a pretty good effort like you know especially the way that they fought back and that they fought in the, the third the fifth set like they looked like they were going to be able to, to fight through and they just it just didn't happen this time so at this point i'm truly just hoping that we get away from relegation um we have a tough week ahead of us. Like we got Argentina, Brazil, Japan, and the USA. The chances of us getting a win there, I think, are slim. I think in slim. against any of those teams we'll we'll be lucky to get a win. Maybe someone's gonna be playing the bench someday where we're we're not. I I, I guess we'll have to see. But yeah. those are those are four teams we're playing very, very well. Well, I think Especially Brazil has stepped up, and Argentina has always been our kryptonite. So I think those are <laughs> those are going to be the, the, the two inter- interesting ones. Um, but the only good thing of all of it is that Australia is playing Japan, Germany, Argentina, and France. That so- is
0: exactly what I was just about to bring up. Is the I, I don't think there's any way Canada gets relegated. You've got two wins, you've got six whoa, whoa, points, whoa, whoa. and. Right. I have, I'm,
1: not, I'm not leaving anything to chance. I'm not at all saying.
0: Oh, yeah. I'm not saying it's, it's ever going to be chance, but you just said, look at Australia. They did get their first win this week. They played Bulgaria head-to-head in Bulgaria and beat them in five. That was ve- crazy. very surprising to me. I, thought, I legitimately thought they might go 0-12 this tournament. But uh, they only have those two points, whereas Bulgaria has six. Bulgaria's had a bunch of five-setters that they've gotten points from. So Australia's still got a bunch of catching up to do. They need to win at least one match, maybe two. And like you said, they have Japan, Germany, Argentina, France. I don't see them winning any of those. No, me neither. Bulgaria but has I, I, Italy, bul- Slovenia, Netherlands, and China. Like the, Bulgaria can beat China. And I think Bulgaria can maybe beat Slovenia.
1: Hell, so I think the, even Bulgaria can beat beat the, the Netherlands. Like if the Netherlands play Nimir against against uh, Bulgaria, I think they could get a win there. I don't think. Like I think overall, like I think the the players around, like the whole of the Bulgarian team is a better quality than the whole of the Dutch team. The Dutch just have Namir. that that are completely. I the, I agree with you. Side. Yeah, you I know, I, like,
0: totally, I totally agree.
1: So it's 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 gonna be interesting. It's, it's gonna be interesting for for those guys. Although. Uh, We'll see. Bulgaria so far has mainly just been Nikolov.
0: Yeah, Nikolov, Atanasov, a little bit of middle here and there, but their consistency is not good. And I thought they were going to have a better week playing at home, but other than the win versus Iran, that that was kind of about it. So we covered pretty much every team just there, except Germany, Argentina, China. There's not really that much to talk about. Argentina's looked bad. China went one and three. Their only one was a forfeit. Germany went 0 and four. We'll talk about one of those losses. It was a forfeit. We'll talk about that in just a second but um before we wrap up men's we'll get to our picks for the playoffs and relegation in a minute but there are a couple pieces of news ever that came out Mm -hmm. of this week that i think we should really kind of a little bit off the court stuff that i think we should talk about the first one is 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 the COVID situation so there this was a a two-pronged COVID situation that happened in the philippines but thing one like we talked about on last week's show was that china came in and had to forfeit their first match versus france so China rolled into the Philippines with pretty much their entire team and staff positive for COVID. They literally they couldn't field six guys on the court and therefore forfeited that first match. Then the next day, the next day, like 24 hours later, they were scheduled to play Germany and they Japan. Sorry, China. Excuse me. Showed up with everybody just magically cleared to play. All the staff, all the players roll oh. into the gym for warm-ups. They're ready to play the match. Germany, who is supposed to play them, were like, wait a minute, how is that possible? How did they all miss yesterday's match and all got cleared? Like, And by, by getting cleared, we've kind of grown to assume that that means tested negative. How did they all test negative within 24 hours? How is this match going to be played? This is crazy. So Germany petitioned the FIVB saying, we need to see negative PCR test results from this team. Otherwise, we need to postpone this match. The FIVB said, nope, we're not going to PCR test them. We're not going to postpone the match. If you don't want to play it, you're going to forfeit it. And Germany said, well, this is unreasonable. We shouldn't play this match. It might hurt us later if we get COVID. We will uh, therefore accept the forfeit. So China, the day after forfeiting a match because of COVID, gets a forfeited win because they may or may not have still had COVID and the other team just refused to play against them. I think this was extremely poorly handled. Everett, what is your take on this? Extremely poorly handled. There's no reason that they should be playing in the gym at this point. And I mean, let's be honest.
1: COVID is all all but over. We're learning to live with it. It's just the reality of it. But – if they're going to be testing for it, then those rules should be applied and those rules should be followed. Let's be honest. If this was another team, like if, if this was Canada sick with COVID, do you think that would have been allowed? Like Absolutely do, 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 not. do you think that, that would have been all right? Argentina, right? If it's if it's a team other than China, or if it's if it's a team other than one of the big teams, this wouldn't this wouldn't be allowed, right? And maybe too, the FIVB saw this as like, hey. This is a chance for China to get a win and not get relegated. This is a, ch- a chance for, for China to get like, you know, because that's that's a straight up three points, and now they're outside of that window of relegation, realistically, right? So to me, it's it's a huge miss by the FIVB to have not like they they didn't even they didn't even come out with like a, a thing of like why why the fact they like like what evidence was there suge- to suggest that China was healthy. Right? Did they come back with with healthy tests? Where did they get those healthy tests? What happened to the positive ones from the day before? Right? Like like catches covid in Ottawa and has to stay in a hotel room for 10 days, but China can be in the can China can play the 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 game the very next day? I don't get
0: it. There's no consistency here. None. I, I'm totally with you. If you're going to test for this still then you've got to adhere to whatever regulations you have set. I think that we, we're, we are we looking for transparency and didn't get it on two things. One is, what does cleared mean? Because it says there, like, cleared by local authorities. Chinese athletes were cleared by local authorities after testing positive for COVID-19. If cleared means anything but tested negative, then there's a problem there. Uh, the other thing is, why why wasn't this why was there no other consideration than forcing Germany to forfeit this match? Like they clearly have some very real concerns. Why were those not even remotely listened to? I think this is uh, extremely poorly handled. Might well, Germany went zero and three the rest of the week in addition to this forfeit, but that might kill their playoff chances. And that sucks. And I think, I think that's completely unfair. So uh,
1: it's especially too, when you think about the greater implications of all of it, that there's, Um, that there's, you know, uh, ranking points on the line and that that ultimately has, you know, consequences with uh, qualifications for the Olympics. Like there's a lot at stake for all of these matches and it's not, it's definitely wasn't a decision that Germany took lightly to forfeit these. And the fact that they were put in that position by the FIPB
0: is just, it's, it's just not okay. Yep, totally agree. So the next thing that is also not okay is something that's near and dear to our hearts on this show. We have been on the side of the players Ever since the beginning of this show, in the fact that these players play too much volleyball, way too they much just play too much volleyball between club and way international, there is way too much volleyball played. So this is a statement from Bruno, uh, Bruno Rosende, like legendary Brazilian setter, after the match where I can't even remember which match it was, the Brazil one where Allen got hurt. Despite a great victory today, there is nothing to celebrate. We have two very sad news. Two injuries from teammates and friends of our team. One extremely serious one, which will probably need surgery and a long recovery time. That, and we, as we learned later, was uh, Alan tearing his Achilles. Mm-hmm. This is only just in our team because we know of other more and less serious injuries outside of in other teams. So here is my outburst, says Bruno. So that the entities that care, volleyball players can understand. I mean, his English is a little broken, but you get the idea. This calendar is getting more and more insane, he says. Let the people who take care of our sport think about who makes this show happen. That being the players. We had this discussion a few years ago with some team captains, but we remain hostages without the due care and concern of those who manage the calendar. And he's absolutely right about this. We've talked about it so many times in this show. These guys, just guys and girls do not get an off season. It is not fair. And it's not reasonable.
1: It also doesn't lead to a good product, right? Like, our play our athletes are exhausted and not only on top of not only playing all of these matches but let's be honest volleyball is a low budget sport they don't have the budget that if soccer players and nba f- basketball players and you know football players and hockey players have like they don't have the support of personnel attached to them they don't have the facilities attached to attach them they're traveling in coach they are you know like s- Sleeping in, in lesser hotels, the food isn't great. Rob, you were eating in Ottawa. It's terrible. Not, it's it's so not bad. and it's not fantastic. And this is what we're feeding Olympians. This is what we're feeding our best. And when you add the, the travel schedule, when you add the competition schedule that runs 24-7 year-round, it's just absolutely ridiculous. And to be honest, I'm surprised we don't see more injuries. Especially like our our sport is a very injury-prone sport. Like we're not a football where it's a very contact
0: collision, uh, yeah, it's, like it's heavy. sport. It's not an injury prone sport, is what you mean. It, it's no, actually... no,
1: it it absolutely is. Like think about think like so. all of all of the jumping that that you do, like like, and the constant wear and tear that you have on your hips and your knees and your shoulders. That's why guys' careers are so short. Right. Like, like, think about it in the NBA and the NHL, like soccer, you've got guys who are playing into their forties. How many guys are playing into their forties in, in volleyball, right? Like guys are starting to retire at like 31, 33, because of the wear and tear that you're having that you're having on these joints. And that hundred percent comes down to the year round competition that you have. Right. Like you're telling me that guys like Gord Perrin and Graham Vigras wouldn't still be playing for the national team if we had a bit of a lighter schedule and they hadn't playing all of those those extra those extra minutes. Like I think that's why we've seen so much longevity from guys like Sokolov, who just kind of like hasn't played a lot with the Bulgarian national team over, over the years and has had a chance to, to rest. But I'm fully with Bruno with this. There's no sp- other sport that runs their athletes so rampant with as much insane travel as f volleyball does.
0: Yeah, it's absurd, and we, uh, to make it very clear again, Everett and I are, and Dan, when he's here, totally on the side of the players in this in this issue. We played, the, the organizing bodies of the game put these guys and girls through way too much. They need an off-season. Professional athletes need off-seasons, otherwise you get injuries, and it sucks for Alan Souza, and I hope that he can recover on the same trajectory as Ricardo Lucarelli, because that is the, kind of the, the the gold standard for recovering from an Achilles tear. He was able to do that. Hopefully Alan is as well. Yeah. Another, another piece of kind of off the court news. These are the attendance numbers from the VNL's week on the men's side in the Philippines, Japan versus Slovenia on that last day, put 10,000 butts in seats. 10,000 is unbelievable and we we talked about it on last week's show even just like we're we're both hugely supportive of the FIVB bringing events like this to Southeast Asia like even though the Philippines doesn't have a team in the competition clearly that they've had more fans there than probably all three of the North American stops combined I'm I'm, I would be curious to see that at the end Calgary Ottawa and uh, the place that shall not be named combined probably won't have as many fans for those three weeks, as the Philippines did for one, and they also had the women there before, like the fans. I, I would phenomenal. love to see the
1: numbers from from the women's the women's uh, one as well, because I know that they were showing up. The way that they were showing up for the me- Japan men's matches, they were showing up for the USA women's matches, right? Right. right. So I'd lo- I'd love to see the numbers from there, but I mean, I think these these numbers are are massive, and it just goes to show that it makes sense to put volleyball in traditional volleyball markets, not the place that shall be named. <laughs> um that, that, that sorry, that shall not be named um and I absolutely like I think this is a rare win for the FIVB and volleyball world with this one by by activating that Filipino market and and bringing it to Manila because these numbers are fantastic and let's bring it back let's bring the world why not let's bring the world championships to to the Philippines
0: and I think that they figured that out because they, they saw the crowds both the, the week of women's week and men's and almost immediately volleyball world g- got into some kind of an agreement with the Asian volleyball confederation to bring more events there and probably pick up streaming rights to the Asian championships for both club and national teams. So well, they, no,
1: they just, the volleyball world just did pick up the streaming. Th- th- rights. Exactly. That, that's, yeah, yeah. that's what okay. I mean.
0: I don't know exactly what competitions will be on there, but they entered into some kind of agreement mm-hmm. with the Asian volleyball confederation. And I, I think that they understood immediately the potential market they have in Southeast Asia, Philippines, Indonesia like it's funny just the other day somebody was asking on the discord and I went into the CEV YouTube channels analytics because I have back-end access to that I I assumed that most of the CEV's YouTube viewers would be from Turkey because they're they're always the vocal crazy fans that we make fun of Indonesia is responsible for 25 percent of the CEV's YouTube viewers this is a European specific volleyball channel and 25% of their viewers are from Southeast Asia, Indonesia in particular. So that's ridiculous. Well, I think the FIVB knows that and is starting to really throw what they have at a market that they know they're going to get some return from.
1: That, that doesn't surprise me at all because especially when I had the old YouTube channel and we were getting a lot of views. my number. What do you think my
0: number one um,
1: viewed country from? Where was I getting 20% of my
0: views from? Probably Indonesia or somewhere down in that neck of their woods. India. I was getting India. 20% of
1: my views from India, uh, 10% from Canada, 10% from from the US, and I was getting 8% from Indonesia. So it doesn't surprise me at all that places like Indonesia and, and stuff. And hey, maybe we'll see world, uh, VNL uh, VNL India one day. I, I think that w-
0: that that would be pretty cool. Very possibly. So uh, I wanted to put this up on the screen. This is just something interesting that I that I put together the other day when I was bored at my real job. It's uh. A breakdown of men's VNL, and I want to do this for the women's too. Of so, the format, as we've talked about on this show, there's 16 teams in VNL, but you each team only plays 12 matches. So there's three teams that each single team does not get to play in the preliminary round of VNL. So I broke this down as to who got the luckiest and unluckiest draw in terms of the the opponents that they don't have to play their average world ranking like before the tournament started so based on that this is average world ranking of the teams that you don't have to play the world ranking before the tournament started germany it turns out had the luckiest schedule they don't have to play poland they don't have to play slovenia they don't have to play iran now like slovenia was ranked eighth coming in i don't think they're that good iran ranked 10th i don't think they're that good argentina ranked 6th they're definitely not that good so these are a little skewed but rob the the real talk here is look at our teams down there
1: in the bottom canada third to last
0: usa dead last the united states of america have the most difficult schedule in terms of the the 12 of the 15 opponents they have to play the usa doesn't get to play australia that's a free win doesn't get to play china that's a free win uh we also get to dodge italy which is kind of nice but uh, the USA hardest schedule by far Germany easiest schedule. I just thought that that spread was kind of interesting.
1: Yep. I, I agree. I mean, thanks for, thanks. Thanks for breaking this down. This is something we had talked about a, a little bit in Ottawa uh, about the, the strength of schedule. And I think that's exactly why you're seeing, you know, we talked about it with the Netherlands earlier, how they have had that, that easier um, thing. I think you really have to look at Bulgaria here and kind of scratch your head because it, yeah. it, it's third to last. They've only got one win. They just played a home weekend where they're only able to pull out one win and they had to finish off against Australia who's the other worst team and you're still in the bottom there so I think that's that's a big miss for Australia and I think maybe a red flag for kind of, of Bulgarian volleyball fans and, and everything but uh, at the end of the day it is what it is you're never going to be able to create a perfectly a balanced schedule uh, but it is a little bit suspicious how some teams currently uh, get easier schedules and, and other good ones get uh, get a little bit harder ones. Yep.
0: So just wanted to put that together. I'll do the same for the women. We can talk about it on next week's show. Real uh,
1: quick, Rob. Oh, before, before, okay. Are we gonna? I just want to address some qu- uh, comments in the chat. Oh, yeah. There's
0: a couple good ones.
1: Yeah. Um, first of all, who's your sp- biggest surprise team of VNL so far?
0: I think it's I think it's the Netherlands, and I think we talked about that already. I saw that question uh, before the show even started. That's a good one.
1: And then finally, the next up, who's better, Danani
0: or Luke Perry? Wow, that, that's a really good question, too. I, I would have said Danani, but looking at this VNL, I saw him in Ottawa. I was not as impressed as I kind of wanted to be by Danani at Libero. And we haven't seen Luke Perry in a minute because he played, he played, what, I think he played he was for at Tools Ber- this year. Okay, I think he played for Berlin even before Danani did. And then he played in Poland, but then went to France this year, if I remember correctly. Perry is awesome. I'm a big Luke Perry fan. Really, huge, really good. Huge Luke Perry fan. And we forget about him because he plays for Australia, but he might be better than Santiago DiNani right now. He might be Australia's best player. I think he, oh, he's definitely like, Australia's just, best like, player.
1: Like, just straight up, he might just be Australia's best player. Which I think that's not you. even close. I think he's yeah.
0: absolutely Australia's best player. It's a shame when that's your libero. Yeah, kind of kind of tells you where Australian volleyball is right now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, any other good questions in the chat? Uh, no, who's, he, think... who's the fourth outside hitter for Poland next to Semenyuk Slewka for now? I think it's either Bednors or Kwolek, assuming that Leon can't come back. Because obviously if he does, that's his spot. But like I, I said I... last week, I kind of want to see Poland maybe take five outside hitters to world championships and only three middles.
1: Maybe. I think at the end of the day, like, if you're going to drop one of them, you're probably going to be dropping Kwolek. I think Fornal is... Is just so smooth and and so good, it's hard to keep him off that roster. And Bednors can be absolutely lethal as as well. And if you have Schlifka, Semeniac, Bednors, and Fornal, like I don't know if there's a better outside hitter combination in the world, right? Other than that. Like, that's phenomenal.
0: It is, but I would take Kfolek over Bednors. And the reason why is because I think Bednors and Fornal are two similar types of players. And uh is has more utility as the fourth guy on the roster. Bring him in as a serving sub. Bring him in as a defensive sub to pass like three rotations in the backcourt. Like he's he's a guy that you can plug in and play in a limited role. I think a little more than Bednorz because I think Bednorz and Fornal are a little too similar. So if it were me, I'm not, I, I'm not convinced he's that much better of a passer than Fornal if he is at all. Maybe right?
1: Uh, it's just too bad. It's too bad we don't have legitimate stats for this. Yeah, it's too um, bad we don't have actual passing stats. You right. know, yeah, we need some volumetrics right now, but uh, but yeah, I'm I'm truly not that convinced that he's actually maybe, I'm trying to think back to Ottawa for the yeah, time. I, I play. think is mm. a, a better ball control player than Fornall is. He's a bit of a bulldog in the back row, too, in terms yeah. of defense as well, whereas maybe
0: is a bit of a princess. So, But uh, <laughs> that's actually, I, I love both of those two, just kind of personality summaries full kind of plays like a bulldog for now kind of plays like a princess You're well like it's, it's
1: funny too i, I even talked to Gurbich about it in one of my interviews because he was like talking to for now a lot uh and there was that one night where for now like eight serves like eight out of eleven eight out of eleven serves and it, it sounded like he was really hurt by that and so him and Gurbich were, were having these conversations about it um but yeah like I, it does it does seem to me like he's a, like he, he gets a little moody sometimes you know, like it, it, it just seems like he's he's that he's that type of player, phenomenal player, yeah. but uh, may, may get a little bit moody sometimes.
0: All right. A couple more things. we we got to move on to the women because the women are playing literally right now. Uh, one thing that I need to rant about a little bit is the ending of the USA versus Iran match from last week. It is the first time Everett I have ever in volleyball seen flopping. I love the sport of volleyball, and one of the many reasons why is that flopping is not a thing. Soccer, worst sport on the planet, unwatchable, so dumb, terrible, absolutely horrible product because a guy gets touched and rolls around screaming like a baby for five minutes. Basketball, flopping is a huge, huge problem, really frustrating to watch. Volleyball is is set up to a lot of flopping in the NFL there is not a lot of flopping in the nfl but you, but you can influence some some of those like sort of pass interference calls whatever there's no there's no flopping in volleyball at least there shouldn't be but the second to last point of the match in iran versus the usa it's like 25-24 set 3 and um no it's sorry it's it's 25-25 it was it was tied and uh, the usa had a free ball to go up 26-25 where these two Iranian guys who had just, like, chased down a ball that was almost shanked off a pass came back and collided. I think their left front and their, like, left back service sub maybe uh, ran into one another, and it, they, they, they fell to the ground, were on their way to get back up. I don't have the video. I wish I did. On their way to get back up to get back to the play until they saw the U.S. have a free ball opportunity to take the lead. Once they saw the US had a free ball opportunity to take the lead, they stayed on the ground, rolled around for a little bit, and got the refs to, plow, to blow the play dead, which I was wondering if that's even in the rules. Apparently it is. If if a ref sees an injury like that a player is like down and can't return to the play, he's supposed to call the play dead, which I didn't know. But those both of those players who were both rolling around on the ground only once they realized the USA had a free ball were allowed to stay in. They both got up, remained in the match, were perfectly fine. The next play, didn't have to go to the bench. Were totally fine, and then the next play, Iran wins the match in extra points. It was garbage. It's it's
1: it's, garbage. It's just a it's a Mickey Mouse play from volleyball, and like I'm using using volleyball in general because a it was allowed by the referees, right. And no one, and it's not even something that they could like even in and go back and, and review, you know, that they weren't going to listen to John Sparrow on that. Like there's no reasoning in, in, in that situation. Um, but then furthermore, there's no repercussions for it. Right. It's not like it's its not like there was an, an inquiry into the situation. It's not like there's a, a referee commission that's going to look at this and be like, oh, you know what? This is wrong. It's not like the FIVB is going to make a statement.
0: No, like they didn't even make a statement about a team having to forfeit again because the other team had COVID. They're not going to make a right. statement it, about this. It's it. it's
1: just a comp- It's it's just once again, it's a very Mickey Mouse move for volleyball that this is that this is getting away and that they were that they were allowed to do that because, man, like just just play the game. None yeah. of this stuff. I that fully was... believe. I fully believe. Like if you go down in soccer, which I fully disagree with you by the way, saying that it's the worst sport ever. Terrible. Um, right? But if you go down in soccer, you at least have to leave the pitch, right? You have to like, like you were given a certain amount of time, but if you're taking your time, then you have to leave the pitch and then you're only brought back on when the referee allows it, right? I think in that situation, if you stop a rally mid rally due to your injury, you're out, then you, you should be out. Yep. Right. And it could be, I wouldn't even say that I would even give them just like a free substitution. You know, a free substitution, and you have two points to put the other guy back in without any any conflict. But you need to take them out right away. Like th- yeah. it's absolutely ridiculous that they were allowed to just let get back in after flopping like that, and there was no issues whatsoever.
0: Yeah. Now the the, the only the, the only thing I'll I'll say to the FIVB's credit on this is that this is the first time I've ever seen this happen. I've True. never seen somebody even consider flopping in volleyball because there's no. Like, there's just no benefit for it until you just happen to notice the other team has a free ball, figure out you can stop the play if you fake an injury. I hope that something is done about this. I'm not convinced that something will be done about this, but I think what should be done is that if you get injured and you cause a, a rally to be stopped, you're out for the set. I think that's, if it's an injury of that severity, you're out for the set. If you happen to be good, you can come back later on, come back in the next set. I think if you get hurt, you stop a rally, you're out for the set. That's what I would like to see. Uh, last but not least, Everett, got to make our picks on the men's side uh, before we move on to the women's. Let's assume, looking at the standings here, France, Poland, seven and one, they've got to be in. Italy, Japan, USA, six and two. I would really think that those three are probably in as well. Brazil at five and three, I think is going to get in. Um, they have a, Actually, kind of a tricky schedule, but I think it's manageable. Let's 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 assume those top five are in for sure. Give me three more teams that you think are going to make the playoffs in the top eight.
1: Ooh, I honestly, I think I think Brazil's going to going to get there. Obviously, and I, I think Brazil missing the playoffs here would be a huge miss, and I, I don't see that really happening.
0: I'm with you. I think Brazil's going to get in. So let's both just assume that they're in and pick two more.
1: I think the Netherlands is going to get in mainly because they're sitting at 14 points compared to Iran's 12, and they play China. So they have at least one guaranteed win in in my eyes and maybe a second against Bulgaria. I think if they can go two and two this week, that puts them in – pretty much puts them in, right? And
0: like we said earlier, they have Italy dead last. And Italy will probably already know that they're top eight at that point, which is all that matters for them. So nope. they might get a third win if Italy plays the bench. So I, I'm also with you. I think the Netherlands gets in. So who's your last one?
1: See, so I'm I'm really going between Serbia and Iran at this point and iran looking at it has a really tough schedule to pull out poland italy slovenia and serbia right that's all, all only going to come down plus it's the great that like serbia and iran are going to be playing each other last because i'm pretty sure that's going to be but coming down to it but then on the other side oh they don't play each other last because the other side serbia has slovenia italy iran and china so i'm going to go for serbia on this one because they have slovenia and china and Iran to, to play in this, this last round. So I think it's all in Serbia's hands, even though they're, they're a point behind uh, Iran at this moment. I think Serbia's going to be able to pull through and get that eighth spot.
0: I agree with you. I mean, Iran's got Poland and Italy. Like, that's probably two L's right there. Then Slovenia, who knows. And so Iran's last match is Serbia. Serbia plays Iran second to last because Serbia has China afterwards. Mm-hmm. So it very well may come down to Serbia versus Iran head-to-head. And that match is going to be awesome, but I am going to pick Serbia. I'm with you, so I think Brazil, Netherlands, Serbia. Oh, just uh, John Nguyen in the chat agrees with us. He says uh, Brazil, Netherlands, Serbia make the playoffs. I think I think Slovenia
1: has an outside chance, but they need to beat Serbia on night one in, in Poland. Absolutely, they need to beat Serbia if they can get if they can get in and out against Serbia with like a three three nothing three win, steal a quick three points. They. Uh, hop them in the standings, and then they put themselves in a much better position to take on Bulgaria and I and Iran. Slovenia has an outside chance, but I'm still gunning for Serbia in this one.
0: Okay, and then who do you think uh, relegation is? It Australia or is it anybody else? My pick is Australia. I think there's no way they win a match next week.
1: My pick is Australia too. I mean, they only have that one win um obviously it was a great great win and and super happy for dave Preston getting his first win internationally like that um especially against the home team in a five setter so happy for him but as we talked about before um japan germany argentina france i just don't see them getting a win not to mention they're already four points behind both bulgaria and canada um it's going to be close though i'm not I'm not counting my chickens just yet. I am. I am still nervous for for my na- my, my maple volleys. Um, that Germany loss to start, and then our last one against Iran both hurt us the most. If we could have one of both of those ones be sitting at like a four and four, I'd be much happier. Uh, but can't be the case. But hopefully we pull it out. I still think Australia is going to be relegated.
0: Unfortunately, yep, I'm with you. All right, uh, before we move on to women's, let's talk about a couple quick things. Thing number one is that volleyball.store dot, dot is back. Uh, we, back. Checked, we checked before the show. The store is live. Uh, there were some comments last week after we talked about it that, that people couldn't find the link or the link was broken. It's back. Uh, that volleyball.store is open. Uh, that's the link, that volleyball.store. It's nice and easy to remember. Go get your spicy volleyball merchandise. You got some nine-by9 merch. Uh, Everett's wearing the shirt right now. Uh, the, the baseball tee with the spicy volleyball logo on it, which is awesome. You've got the hat, you've got the water bottle, you can get stickers. There's all sorts of great stuff in there. So we highly and recommend when, it. And when, when you do, I know a few, a few of you have bought some, take a picture, put it
1: on social media and tag us in it. We'd love to see you wearing the uh, spicy volleyball. Yep. Tag, uh,
0: tag at volleyball source and tag me at R St. one. We will reshare your stuff. Second thing is ever tell the people quickly about bet us. Well, guys, BetUS is simply
1: America's favorite sports book. They've been around since 1994, making them one of the longest sports books around. And just for you guys, we're going to give you nice, a nice little, little code here. If you use the code VOLLEY125, when you register and deposit at least $100, you get a 125% deposit bonus to use for your betting pleasures. Golf is going on right now. Wimbledon is, is right in the thick of, thick of it. Our good friend Claire Hannah is there covering it for TSN baseball has a million games a day to, to bet on as well, too, and some some crazy-ass bets. So make sure you head over to Bet US. Use the code VOLLEY125 for 125% deposit bonus. It's literally free money. You deposit $100, you get 200 and $250. Or 220, you deposit $1,000, you get $2,250. It's literally just free money. So head on over to BetUS. You can use the link just down below here and use the code
0: VOLLEY125 to get that deal. Indeed, so Everett. Uh, last but not least, we've got to talk about women's VNL because it is week three. It is week three of women's VNL. We're almost done with the preliminary round. Uh, this time next week, we will know who the eight women's playoffs teams are, and uh, it's looking pretty similar to the men's. Honestly, where we've got a few locks, a few teams that we really expect to get in, a couple tight teams right in the middle fighting for those last couple playoff spots. And then uh, the relegation race is actually, it's even more interesting on the women's side than the men's because Korea there, who's a hopeless 0-8 with zero points, uh, cannot be relegated. They are a core team. They have too much money to be relegated. So uh, the women's standing is very, very interesting. Here are the pools this week. Uh, Going on in Sofia, Bulgaria, uh, hosting for the second week in a row. They had the men's last week. They've got women's. Right now, uh, China, Brazil, the Dominican Republic, uh, Bulgaria, Thailand, Korea, Italy, and Poland. And the other site, which is very, very cool, we're back in Canada, boys and girls. uh, Calgary hosting Women's VNL this week. Serbia, Germany, Canada, Turkey, Japan, Netherlands, Belgium, and the USA. So uh, back to the standings. Everett, any any big things to preview before we uh, break down the Women's Week a little bit more?
1: No, I mean I am I am very sad I'm not in Calgary right now. Yeah. It sucks that I don't get to watch the women's team play. But at the end of the day, it's a little expensive. Uh, Rob, too bad you didn't take that week as well. Rob, if you had gone, I would have come out to Calgary. I, oh, I, yeah. I would have I would have made it made it work just to come just to come hang out. That they, uh, they offered
0: it to me. Unfortunately, I have a real job. I I, I wanted to get that one men's yeah. week done.
1: Uh, absolutely. I mean, but- it's it's
0: unfortunate because the the commentary team that happens to be in Calgary is uh, rather pitiful, which is too bad, but uh, mm-hmm. it, it's it's cool. that Calgary is hosting women's. Uh, I, I hope that it is that great. I hope that the Canadian maple volleys though, the women's maple volleys can avoid getting relegated because that is a very serious concern for them right now. Bulga- uh, Netherlands, Bulgaria, Germany, I think Belgium, Canada, and the Dominican Republic, like all six of those teams right there uh, the, the bottom six that aren't Korea are all in very real danger of getting getting relegated, which is insane.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you're right. We are in a bit of a dangerous spot here, but I do like our chances, and I do like the way that we've been playing as well through for, through this tournament. I mean, it's crazy to me to see that the women's team is doing better than men's team. I never would have thought that to be <laughs> happening. Uh, but but it is. You know, it this this week is going to be a little bit interesting. I mean, I think I think the goal here is to go two and two and i think that is very very possible here you got turkey and serbia first first up tonight they're going to be playing turkey they're going to be taking them on in about an hour and a half obviously we'll be watching that one uh, and then they're going to be taking on serbia on friday let's be honest turkey one of the best teams in the world they were my pick to win win this Vienna on the women's side obviously not doing that great only sitting at 5 and 3 but still they've got world class talent and then same same thing with serbia once again also sitting at 5 and 3 and you've got when you got uh, athletes like tiana boskovic like you know that, that that they're going to be able to play unless one of those teams sits their starters, which I don't see Turkey doing. Maybe Serbia. Oskovic
0: is not on the roster at all this VNL. Okay, I so know yeah, you're right. That's you're right. Vulnerability there, but I agree with you. Turkey, but is but still,
1: like yeah serbia is is looking at like serbia has has athletes everywhere right so it's it's not it's not a worry germany and the netherlands are the must-win matches right because a those are the other teams that are chasing you right now for relegation
0: just looking at it i I was wrong germany and the netherlands are both core teams i was i'm surprised about both of them so neither germany nor the netherlands can get relegated The, the the challenger teams are bulgaria belgium canada dominican republic and poland believe it or not so those are the teams trying not to get relegated bulgaria right now uh in in last at least coming into the week but earlier today in bulgaria uh bulgaria completely destroyed like just dismantled the dominican republic 3-0 like not even close so now i've we, we talked about the dominican republic they had a terrible week one a good bounce back week two have started off week three uh, pretty brutal, getting just smoked by the host who's, who they're trying to outpace for relegation. So the Dominican Republic could be in danger there as well. So there's, there's a lot going on in that relegation race.
1: Yeah, I, I think for us, I mean, we did beat Germany last year at the VNL. So there's already that precedent. I think that's a team that, you know, and like we did that without, without Alexa Gray. Um, and then I, I think the Netherlands is also another winnable match, uh, match as well, for, for, for sure, for this team. I, I'm interested to see how they play at home right? Because we've always seen with the men's team that there's maybe a little bit of trepidation. Like this is a team that has, I mean, I can't remember the last time they played at home. It was like Montreal in 2019 for the qualifier for the Challenger Cup. Like that's that's legitimately the last time, right? So it's it's been a minute since this team has played on, on Canadian soil. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see how they manage that. Now, luckily they have both of those two first matches to kind of throw away. So if in the case that they lose to Serbia and Turkey, I really hope that that fire is lit to be able to go get that first win at home on Saturday night against Germany and then close it out on uh, on Sunday evening against the Netherlands and just really solidify themselves in, in this VNL. And I, I think they have the ability to do it. I think this team kind of feels like they owe, they're owe owed one after, after last week. And I think they have the ability to go
0: two and two this week. I agree with you. Uh, I think it's it's nice that those last two matches are the most important ones. Get a couple out of the way, figure out how to play at home, and then go earn your spot in next year's VNL. Uh, Bulgaria, I think, is in a pretty good spot as well. That, that win earlier today at home is huge. I think they might be able to survive. The Dominican Republic right now is probably my pick to get relegated. I don't see them winning any matches this week. No, uh, not at all, eh? No. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't,
1: well, I don't even know if they're, they're, they're who they I'm, have to play. I'm looking Thailand, right now. Thailand
0: and Poland. Got, got smoked by Bulgaria. That should have been their most winnable match. I don't think they'll beat Thailand. They don't even have close to the ball control to beat Thailand or China. And they're probably going to lose to Poland, too, because Poland's fighting for a playoff spot. So I, I think the the Norsica Darlings, who the Norsika Instagram account posts about more than USA, Canada, and Cuba combined, yeah. uh, will probably get relocated out of this VNL. I mean, there's other reasons for that, but uh, I, I don't right. want to get too political on, on, on here. Let's look at the top of the standings. Uh, let's talk about Japan. They're, they're the only undefeated team actually in VNL on either side is, are the Japanese women at 8-0. and uh, We talked about them last week, Everett. We think that they've also been the beneficiaries of a bit of an easier schedule. This week, Japan's got the Netherlands. They've got Turkey, which is a huge one, Serbia, and Belgium. Do you think Japan finishes 12-0? and
1: no i think turkey or uh, or uh, serbia can take them down um but hey I, I i guess we'll see i mean i think the 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 women's being eight and zero is much more surprising to me than the men being six and two that's agreed like, yeah mm-hmm. i agree way like you know like women's volleyball in japan is is still is still massive but they don't have the same presence that the, the men's do
0: on the on the world stage um, so I think this is this is huge now. That, that height disparity might be even greater on the women's side too. Exactly. To so, but, not... so, but I do think
1: that either Turkey or Serbia takes them down.
0: Okay. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, since this is week three, uh, a couple teams that are really trying to push for the playoffs or starting to build towards the finals are starting to bring A teams. I was looking at rosters today. It's definitely Japan's A team. It's pretty much USA's A team. Uh, Jordan Poulter is back uh nice. we'll be we'll be making the trip to Canada which is great. Uh it's
1: been, it's been a while for Polto right cuz she got injured.
0: Yeah, she got injured towards the end of club season. This is her first action back since so I'm excited to see that. It's Brazil's A team, it's Italy's A team, Paola Egonu is there. Uh, it's Turkey's A team. Uh I think it's I don't know that much about China without Zhu Ting, but I'm I'm sure it's got to be their A team. Uh, it's everything Serbia can do even without Boscovic. so the, the playoff push is going to be a really interesting one here. A couple of big matches this week. We talked about Turkey versus Japan on Friday. Turkey versus the USA on Saturday in Calgary is a big one. And then, uh, like Everett said, Canada versus Germany on both Germany and the Netherlands. And then Poland versus Bulgaria is one that I wrote down. That's on Sunday. That's the last match for both of those teams. Could mean Poland getting in the playoffs, and it could mean Bulgaria in Bulgaria not getting relegated. So uh, that's a really big one, too, to watch. Yeah, I, I think all of those all of those ones are going to be going to be big to watch. I'm excited to watch Canada versus
1: Turkey because I didn't really get to watch the women's team in the, the last week when they were playing at three in the morning and five in the morning in in the Philippines.
0: Yeah, the, the the times this week for North Americans are much friendlier. We got Bulgaria kind of in the morning, we got Canada in the evening. It's uh, it's nice. I like it. it yeah, I, I I do as well. So there's a match going on literally right now. What's uh, the score at? It is two to one Serbia. Uh, Serbia is up 22-17 in the fourth. So it's looking up, it's looking like they're going to close Germany out and further cement what looks like a playoff spot for Serbia even without Boscovic, which is pretty impressive. Yeah, uh, 17-25, they actually lost the first, but then 25-16, 25-21, and then they're up by five in the fourth. So Serbia playing Germany in Calgary right now, and then the home team, uh, the women's maple volleys at 10 p.m. Eastern uh, against Turkey tonight. Yeah. Big one should should be a good one. Uh, I'm excited.
1: All right, Rob. Do you want to close it out with one of the weirdest pieces of news you and I have heard recently? I like do. You're, you're, yeah, yeah. Because all right, let's let's just jump into it. So, Take it away. Uh, as World of Volley reported yesterday, there is uh, has been a request made by the Chinese Volleyball Federation for their men's national team to join this season to join the French Ligue A and play as a member of the French professional league in order to get ready for the 2024 Paris Olympics. Allegedly they would train and play in Paris and they would not be eligible for either playoffs or relegation. They would only be there for the regular season. Um, what? What? <laughs> Of all the places, like, I guess you get to go, like, live in Paris and play in Paris. Although I doubt, like, their athletes are going to have much autonomy to kind of do what they want. Like, I think you're going to be able to, like, have days off and, like, go around Paris. I'm not entirely sure. Um, It's weird that they would pick the French League because I don't think that the French League necessarily is, like, the majority, yeah, like, they're the defending Olympic champs. But other than Kevin Tilley and, like, LeGuff, most of those players play elsewhere right they all play in in other countries it's not the league that you're going to get the best like i would even think that like germany is slightly better than than france and you could have you're at least you're getting to t- play teams like berlin um it's just a weird thing to do especially so far out not so far out but still far out from the olympics if if it was the year before and they wanted to spend like you know, that, that 23, 24 season playing in Paris and you get to be there in Paris and, and kind of get acclimatized to it. Maybe that would make sense to me, but it's so far out. Like, are they going to do this next year as well?
0: Like, yeah, that's the crazy part. So I'm, I'm reading through world of volleys article right now. Uh, yeah, sure enough. The, 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 the Chinese Volleyball Federation has contacted its French colleagues with a strange request, says the article, to accept its national team in the top flight league. Ah, it's so weird. Um, apparently, China's willing to pay more than one million euro per season, which is incredible. And if I were China or sorry, if I were the French League, I would take that in a heartbeat and they would share facilities with Paris Volley. So they would play a train in Paris. And you're right. Like you said, uh, don't go to the playoffs. Don't get relegated. But, I mean, if they can do this for, I guess it would be two club seasons, and then immediately after that would be the, the Paris Olympics, I mean, maybe. The thing is, though, that China is by no means guaranteed to even qualify for the Paris Olympics. They're going to have to seriously increase their world ranking and play really, really well in that like qualifier tournament late in 2023 to have a chance to even go to the Olympics. So if that's what they're pushing for, they're going to need to get significantly better really, really fast. And maybe that playing in the LNV is the way to do that. This is one of the weirdest headlines I've ever seen. It's just, it's just so random. And I mean, you see
1: it like like in, in Germany, for example. Remember, Hubner was telling us how they had the, the Berlin VCO team. That's always like the best young players in, in Germany to play in the Bundesliga, right? Which is and a great idea. Like, which is which is a fantastic idea so it makes sense on the velp like is Zhang Shuang going to be there like are they going to be sending their their best athletes like so like they're just they're just completely depriving the chinese league of their best athletes that's what i was like, going to
0: say is are they going to take their best players out of their own domestic league because china has sense. a league and yeah put them in france for the entire season like how how do you select that are you going to pick your 12 olympians now and make a club team out of them like i'm I, I'm really curious to follow along if this even, like, if if this even goes through. Although, if I'm the French Federation and they're offering seven figures in euro, that's uh, that's pretty enticing. The logistics are fascinating to me, so uh, we'll follow along with it for sure. Yeah, it's 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 going to be interesting. I'm interested to see if they make it happen. It's again not guaranteed
1: for this year. They said it's the possibility of the 22-23 season, but we'll see if it gets solidified uh, altogether. But, man, would that be wild? Honestly, straight up, though, if China did that, I would watch way more of the LNV. I would love to see how China stacks up against them. I would love to watch
0: it. Because don't we ask all the time, like, how would a great club team stack up against a great national team? We always want to know. This would be like a mediocre national team against a mediocre club team, but it would still be really fun. It It would be so
1: much fun. It would just be interesting. Honestly, like... That might be something, like if they did that, I might have to take a trip to Paris and just go watch it myself. You want to come with? Sure. Want to go do, to go do a nice little trip to Paris and uh, ch- check things out? All right, I've been
0: cool. to Paris. a uh, great city. I enjoyed it. I've never been to Paris, so. Yes, and, and you're fluent in French, so you could be my tour guide. Yeah, but
1: I have heard, like, things about how they treat, like, non-France, French speakers there, so, Yeah. Um, the French league is the most competitive league. The best and worst teams are pretty s- in similar levels, not like Perugia versus Rab. That's I fair. Do, so it's I like top to that. bottom a
0: little narrower. There's not like the there's not the elites and there's not the thanks for participating like Ravenna this past year. I agree, but like where's China gonna fit in with that? Like until China beat Brazil two weeks ago by a just a pure and utter miracle. I thought that China was gonna be the worst team in this tournament. Honestly. In, you know, this, I, is, I still don't know how they would stack this
1: up. This is the reason why I want this to happen, because I want to see they, where they stack up. I honestly have no clue, especially because it's China, and of all the teams, like, I probably watch China the least. Yeah, we don't know anything you know, about them. The only, the honest, tr- true, like, no word of a lie, the only thing I know about China is what Dan tells me. What, by the <laughs> way, Dan, happy birthday. Love you, buddy. Happy birthday, uh, Dan. You'll be 30 next year, and then you'll be old like me. Um, uh, <laughs> but, yeah, like, uh, the... Dan is the only person I know who watches matches from China like that. So, oh yeah,
0: uh, Zhang they- Jingyin is the guy. Uh, he wears twenty two. He's he's been their best player this VNL. He looks super good. But yeah, the rest of them, I'm with you. So yeah, it would be interesting to see this. Uh, we'll we'll follow along with it. We'll we'll let you know on the show or in the Discord if it if that like if that gets further legitimized. Speaking of the Discord, before we wrap up, if you want to join. 600 plus it, it, we just got over 600 pretty recently other volleyball fans from literally all over the world who just chat and meme and joke and analyze and just do all this stuff about volleyball all the time 24 7 you're going to want to join the volleyball source discord the link is in the description uh we had some incredible work uh, mama shiba from finland our, our our guy broke down some super technical analytics from the super Lega season and put them in nice graphical form this past week. And we were all breaking down just how bad Ravena was in every statistical category. And it was kind of fun. Uh, There's so much great stuff that we have insiders from every country. And then we have people who just make memes like two jacks. I know you're watching. uh, He's, he's our resident referee, but also a world-class meme maker. So uh, the discord is a phenomenal place. We highly suggest that you join it. Um, So the link is in the description for that.
1: Yeah. And then I think that's about it for this week's show, guys. It's uh, it's been a long one. Uh, Canada and Turkey is going to be going down at 10 p.m. Central Time, or sorry, 10 p.m. Mountain Time. Uh, no, eight no, p.m. I think, Mountain. I, yeah, time. I think it's 10, 10 p.m. p.m. Eastern. Eastern. Yeah, yeah, 10, 10 p.m. Eastern. So make sure to check check that out. This week is going to be great because you got, as we mentioned before, the European matches in the uh, morning, afternoon, and then the North American matches at night. So you can watch them at work and then watch them at night too.
0: Yep, so, uh, by the way, Serbia did finish off Germany, so Serbia beats Germany 3-1. to uh, Join the Discord. We'll be chatting about the Canada match tonight, and we will see you next week where, by this time next Tuesday ever, we will know who gets, who gets to the playoffs on the women's side and who gets relegated, and the men next week will follow shortly thereafter. So uh, no slowing down in the volleyball world. We will see you next week on the 9 by 9 Boys and Girls. Thank you very much for watching. Have a great Tuesday evening. Peace.